0: And ride with me in my foul life. What's up, podcast? World Chat Belling back at you. How we all do in another episode of Yukonuba Duck Dogs podcast coming at you, the Foul Life series. Thank you for all the subscriptions and downloads. This episode again, is fueled. Obviously, by Yukonuba, we truly depend on them for all of their research, their science, their biology, and making sure that all of our duck dogs, sporting dogs, wing shooting dogs, doesn't matter if it's just a pet, their science, their research, their passion for all of their projects and their meals and their nutrition and their foods, it is truly evident in all of just everything that we're seeing from the performance of every one of our dogs, we have all of our hunting dogs on the Yukonuba Nutrition and Diet Program, and we could not be happier. We're going on our fourth full season of feeding nothing but Yukonuba, and the results speak for themselves. Axel is thriving. Slash and Izzy and Duff and Waylon and Mo—they are all coming just into their own there you can see it every single hunt every single training session we're so proud of all of them we can't wait for you to see more of the action on the foul life brand new episodes are airing beginning this week exclusively on the outdoor channel of benelli's the foul life and Yukonuba performance dog food is the official dog food and diet and nutrition program of the foul life television and all of our brands here at the foul life so to, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Yukonuba duck dog podcast fueled again by Yukonuba. today's guest is mitch peachy we're going to talk about his obsession and love for his brand new lab she's not even a year old it's miss luna she's on instagram she's she's amazing i just got to hang out there in minnesota last week we went fishing we went boating we hung out at the house it's truly evident how much love and commitment Mitch has towards his dog and she has for Mitch it's vice versa she's therapeutic for Mitch and his entire family and they cannot wait to get her out in the field this fall so again Mitch Petrie his dog Luna she's an awesome little female black lab thank you again for listening to Yukonuba Duck Dog Podcast right here at the Fowl Life we can't explain how much your support means to us I hope you enjoy this episode What do you love about that? What do you love about Luna, your dog?
1: Don't get me started. Or is that what we're here to talk about?
0: Well, I just think like I've known you for quite a few years now. How many years have I known you? Would you say that? Ten
1: years probably. At
0: least seven, ten, ten yeah, a decade. I've never seen you this happy. Like you have like this new life. It's almost like I know, and I love your wife. Kirsten's just an unbelievable human being. I know you have an awesome family and all of your boys, but like, you've never been this fired up about anything since I've met you. Like, I don't know if there was like this, this time where, you know, work was so awesome and it was so much momentum and passion projects and all of that going into it. And then all of a sudden we kind of got hit with this demise of, everything really traveling socializing friendships kinship i mean you couldn't even go to weddings you couldn't go to funerals you couldn't go to church the pandemic stopped everything and you know people turned to their dogs people turned to their backyards and i've just seen like this new life like bred into you it seems i might be uh, i might be exag- over you know over analyzing it a little bit but it just seems like you're on a different level of happiness right now and i and i and i'm not saying that it's not because of your life because you have a great life and family but this dog has brought something different to you it Oh, seems.
1: it for sure um it, it, the pandemic was was crazy you know every th- every part of all of our lives and businesses being disrupted uh just being super stressful but for me the positive side of it was um i i used to travel you know three three four times a month right which makes it hard um, to have a to have a dog and give it the time that you want so uh, I've been looking for a lab for you know, s- you know passively looking for like the better part of five years and uh, it just worked out where like I'm not traveling I'm gonna be here I'm gonna have the time to dedicate to this dog so I really, uh, you know, we pulled the trigger and, and were able to get into, we actually had a dog. Uh, we had a deposit on a dog who was supposed to, um, I think we were supposed to actually take delivery on the dog in like September, October timeframe and the pregnancy didn't take. So I was like, all right, well, that that's okay. But, um, you know, I, I've worked with Tom and Tina Docking from Oak Ridge Kennels in Minnesota, who I worked with previously in the TV world and, um, you know, and a, and, a, and a puppy became available through some other odd circumstances because it's it's from a it was from a very reputable breeder with a uh you know in with good uh breeding and good pedigree on the dogs it was odd that it was available but it's just something fell through and so we ended up with luna and um you know i i wanted a hunting dog and i wanted a you know a a dog with a lot of hunting drive that was very trainable and i wanted to invest in training because I I don't have that expertise, uh, but I work with a lot of people who do. Um, So got the dog trained up in that. But what I didn't realize is, uh, yeah, I, I got a hunting dog, but she has been a bit of a therapy dog. Didn't know I needed a therapy dog, uh, but you know what? With the distress and life and the pandemic, and you know, my I lost both of my parents in the last two years. I lost them six months apart, unrelated to the pandemic. They were in their 80s and lived amazing lives. But it's like, it's a pretty serious blow. And that, you know, I, I'm very concerned about mental health in the world mine's actually pretty good but what luna has done for me and my family has just been it's been awesome so uh you're you know you're very uh, observant because it's true I, she has provided pleasure for us on multiple levels and and i've hunted with her already as a puppy she went out and she retrieved some chuckers for me at a game farm just to just to be shooting over her and getting her some experience in that and she was awesome i mean she didn't retrieve to the hand and she got as she got older She became a little bit hard for me to handle because she's almost 70 pounds and um, she she would she regressed in the very basic training that I had given her. But we sent her off for two months and she came back and she's a completely different dog and she's an awesome member of our family. And uh, I just as much as I love the summers here in Minnesota, I can't wait to get out in the field with her this fall.
0: Before you get into the actual hunting and training part of it, stick with the, you know, kind of the traits that dogs can help us with. Um, they're always happy. It's, um, you know, it's it would be hard, you know, when dogs get ill or they're having a bad day, you know, they'll lay down and they'll be low energy. I've seen that. But you could wake a dog, you know, a duck dog. I'm, I'm speaking to specifically right now because that's really all I own. I don't even know if I'm an all-around dog lover. That's a weird thing to say. I love good dogs. And I and I don't know if I've become bougie or I've become sno- what's the word I'm looking for? Snabbish. Like Snabbish. stuffy on like yeah, like snobby. I'm like really like I've lost patience with bad dogs. So the first trait that I want to talk about that that good dogs have taught me is patience and i don't know how patient of a person you were before i know for a fact you're way more patient than i am you're way more laid back than i am i'm more of a hothead i'm more of a turn it up to 90 and just don't even touch the brakes at all um but patience comes when you have to you know you're you're dealing with an animal that doesn't speak our language You're dealing with an animal that just came into your life. And we got to keep in mind that she's very young. I mean, you could go by dog years that she's seven years old, but even a seven year old child can test your patience has Luna has? And we're talking about your dog, Luna, a female black lab, 70 pounds, beautiful dog. I got to hang with her um, on the boat and at your house just last week in Minnesota. Um, Has she taught you to be even more patient or have you have you even had to check up on that at all?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't she's taught me a lot. Patience is probably yeah, you know, I haven't had to be too patient from her, right? Because like I said, we got her back from I, I, so no, so probably not patience, but more just um, you know, committing probably to be more scheduled like i'm i don't know about yeah, you've got a, a busy schedule i do too as well but but i also tend to kind of ebb and flow sometimes it's like well now i get up every morning at six o'clock and 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 i work with the dog we either go walk or we do say you know I, I get her up i take her out i feed her and then we'll do something i'll either work her in my yard or i'll take her somewhere and uh get her some exercise because that just really sets her off for today she's, she's you know got a lot of energy i wouldn't say you know she's not like hyperactive she's just she's she's driven i mean she always wants to be working so it just we have better days at home when she starts off by burning some energy but man she like i haven't needed a lot of patience because um i I would tell you one thing i've been um working i've got a great support network of people who are you know world-class dog trainers so if i have a question I can text them. I can call them. I send them videos, not just on the training, even just on the health of the dog. Like, um, I'm, you know, my dog IQ is pretty high, but I've never owned a lab before. Uh, but you know, it's like we had issues when she was born with, um, uh, with like loose type stool. Right. So I'm sending Tina Dockin pictures of my dog's poop so that she can advise me on, on, uh, on, you know, some different things that might be happening. So in the, in that sense, I'm just, I'm I'm really covered in terms of having having support people. So I don't have to be super patient with her. But I've been working on using her e collar to um, use the tone. Like she's never been trained. By, our, by the people who I sent her off training. She's been trained on the collar, but not you know, just on the stimulation, not on the tone. So now I've essentially been um, as she gets out and I wanna call her back and just say here, I've just been using the tone on the collar um, And it's, it's so awesome. Like it was so easy to get her to do that. Um, Like I didn't need patience. Like I just started doing the command with the tone and now I don't even have to call her. I I like the idea of being in the pheasant field. And if I've got people with me, not having to be screaming at my dog or telling, you first of all, she stays in a a pretty good distance, but if she gets out there, I just kind of do the tone. So she really hasn't demanded a lot of patience.
0: What about... Patience when it comes to another part of dog ownership with separation anxiety. Do do you get it more than she does? Because I did see a little bit of it in her. Like she wants to be part. You know, socialization is huge with Mm -hmm. dogs, not just labs, but all dogs. It's part of the training process of getting them home, socializing them around the people she'll be living with, the people that might be visiting different situations it's a great way to get a dog to have more confidence in life is um, socializing and training through that method but social you know when you start to have separation anxiety and it can really cause bad traits in dogs from whimpering to crying to barking Mm -hmm. to squealing to you know all that those sounds that a dog can make um but I, I could see you getting it too, to where, when you're away from me, you're like, I got to get mm-hmm. Luna. Like I've got a first thing in the morning. I got to get Luna. When you're on the road, you're like, I got to figure out a way to bring Luna with me. Um, things like this. Like, so when it comes to separation anxiety, how have you seen um, the training take part that where you're going to be able to prevent that in her as well as in yeah. yourself?
1: I think, um, and you know, cause you had a recent experience with her, I, I think, and you've got experience with a lot of other dogs, my assessment on her separation anxiety, like on a scale of one to 10 is she might be on the two or three side. She's not cra- like, she used to bark a little bit when we leave, when we would leave. Uh, I could hear her from outside. She's really not barking anymore, but she definitely loves to be around people. Like, so I haven't had it so much an issue with her on the, on the, um, on the separation side of it, but i um, you know, it is, there is some of that there. I've had it more and then on myself as far as myself goes i absolutely thinking about her but but doing you know I I think I'm okay I would have I I think some of my kids are a little bit more affected by that but they're not around her as much as I am but but they'll call and they'll text even with I if I'm with them and they're not they're thinking about her um so you know it's you know and I She's crate trained, right? She's she loves her crate. It's a it's a uh, it's a great place for her. Uh, we've resisted the urge to have her sleep in our bed, you know. She's she's a big dog. And she's seventy pounds, and um, so we're. Um, I would say one thing we did right in raising our three boys, thanks to my wife, um, was trying to be consistent. And I think that's what works well with the dog is uh, consistent in the routine. Um, getting her, uh, getting, she gets up on her own, uh, getting her, uh, to bed at a, at a consistent time has really helped, um, uh, just kind of minimize some of that, uh, that anxiety.
0: When, when you think of the training part of it, I want you to think about this. Um, I've been thinking about this quite a bit, watching our dogs and seeing how far Axel's going. Um, you know, he's got every ribbon there is, he's got every title there is. And now he's going for his grand, um, this October. But I also I often wonder, like when you're an, a, a high caliber athlete or a musician or anything in life to where we get people that say, man, you're so good at that. And we get trophies. Some of us get participation trophies, which is another part of that kind of ruin the fabric of America and we won't go into that, but we get accolades, we get top number one hits, we get certificates when we graduate college, we get diplomas. Dogs don't know any of this. Sh- have you ever thought about, like, you're out there training and your dog is accomplishing everything. You're not doing shit, really. Like, you're just sitting right. there throwing a bumper. Mm-hmm. The trainer, now the trainers, they they know their stuff, right? And they should be told you're a great trainer. Like you just said, you have a great a network of trainers in your, in your Rolodex. But have you ever thought about that, Mitch Petrie? Like, These dogs don't even know that they are kicking butt every day. They don't care. They're just doing what they do. And then they come back and you're going, good dog. This is all. But they're just like, well, what the hell? What did I do? Like, this is this is easy for me. Have you ever thought about that when you've seen how proficient and how awesome a Labrador retriever is when you're in the field with them or when you're training them?
1: And I tell you, I've thought about it from her perspective, not from mine, because the only thing I've done is wrote a check made a decision to buy a dog, made a good decision to buy the right dog, made a good decision to, to invest in training, and, um, and they, they took the ingredients. And so what I've thought of is, uh, and I, I had this experience last weekend, I was with, with some friends um, and friends of friends, and, dude, and it's like, I'm probably annoying as hell. I, uh, you know, I, I wanted them to watch Luna Retrieve because I wanted them just to see not for me because it's like, it, you know, it doesn't reflect on me. It's, it's all her, but it's just my, my, circle of friends are probably a little bit different than yours because they're not as, uh, uh, they're not as hardcore outdoorsy. So, um, when they see a dog retrieve to hand and drop on command and sit and be calm and do that, it's extremely impressive. Um, and I worked with Mike Wieben, who did the training of Luna. He taught me the difference of, uh, you know, a, a good dog and a great dog. And he says that, you know, Luna has the potential to be a great dog. And and he's been helping me understand what that means because I, I don't I don't necessarily know the difference. I've seen it now, like a dog that retrieves to you, you know, coming straight to your face and comes within three feet, and you step out and you reach and you grab it, and the drop is okay, like he wanted to make sure that that's not acceptable to me like luna is capable of of perfection essentially and he wants to make sure that every single retrieve is to the you know to heal and she sits and she and her hold is strong and good and her drop is is uh you know is is on command so um so yeah you know I, i have i i have um more thought about putting her in positions to demonstrate her skills because she has that. And like, you know, I've never, uh, considered doing any hunt tests or things like that. But the other day I'm thinking, man, like this dog deserves some ribbons. Like if she's got that potential, uh, I would love to see her, uh, you know, do some, do some tests and that just to demonstrate her skills. But you, and just in, you know, talking with you about my dog, there, there's so much that I don't know, um, that I'm just enjoying the journey. Um, and, um, uh, you know, and watching her develop she and she's she's one year old this week right she's still as you mentioned very much a puppy
0: so i'm looking at a list right now that i'm going through um of the accolades that that dogs can achieve right and you just said something that sparked me to look at my phone like this is about us almost like we like they're our show pony almost like a race horse is brought out with a jockey on it to run a race, to win big money. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you, I don't know if you really show that horse off and people are like, man, look at the muscles. Cause all them horses look sure. the same. All these dogs kind of could look the same aesthetically, but then we take it upon ourselves to be like, look what they can do. Like David Letterman did this for you on stupid animal sure. tricks or pet yeah. tricks or whatever it was. Remember um, that might've been the wrong title no, I think for that. It was but There were stupid human tricks where humans would go on there, but there was also something where he'd bring pets Mm -hmm. on and all that. But it's like we bring them out and we're so proud of what they can do, but that is what they were put on earth to do. That is like their natural ability. And we are the ones that get so geeked up on it. And I think that's why that bond is so strong between a sporting dog. And a hunter or a handler. Now, I'm not saying that a, a regular dog owner doesn't have the same bond. I know that they do. But there is something special about the performance factor and the, the obedience factor, the pet factor, the best friend factor, all of the stuff that goes into owning Luna. But then when she goes up on that platform, you are like at an all-time high. This is like a drug to mm-hmm. us as a dog owner. And that's what's weird to me is that they literally don't have a clue what they're doing to us that's so awesome about animals right. and the and, and being able to train an animal like a horse or a dog like this and i know there's other dogs i watched this event the other day on tv from afar mitch where these dogs were running straight down they run through little weaves and then they hit a ramp grab sure. a ball and bounce back off and have to run back it's like a, it. yeah. it's it's like a speed, speed event right? it's yeah. pretty cool yeah it's pretty neat um those dogs don't even know they're doing that they're just out there having fun yeah and their owners are sitting there going look at my dog Do you know what i mean it's like all about the owner at this point because the performance doesn't really matter to that right. dog i don't think it does they really don't know they can't comprehend it if that makes sense that, to you. you
1: know I, I think you could probably say it's 75 dog 25 owner slash handler right because we do get up with the dog we do throw the bumper we do work on the training we do you know we do put effort in as well to help them achieve their their results i guess it's probably a lot like you know raising a child who's getting into sports right i mean you know some parents get a little uh, a little over exuberant on that but you know the reality is you're supporting your dog or your child and you're helping them and doing you're doing work with them so there is there is obviously satisfaction in doing that but like i said i you know i leaned on my trainer to do that heavy lifting a very good friend of mine has a black lab that's two months older than luna and he's actually done all the training himself and i'm I'm impressed because as i said i didn't have the knowledge and i didn't have the time to do it myself i I might do something differently uh if i get another dog in the next few years but um but you know i had to lean on somebody else and and I, i think that's okay i just you know, we, we've invested in the training because we knew that that would be the foundation of her obedience, first of all, and being a good family member. And that was an interesting thing I learned. you know I, I, I work for Ron Shera who's had you know he had three famous black labs named Raven here in Minneapolis. and um, you know those dogs were outside kennel dogs, right? And I, I would say that you know, uh, in Minnesota here the culture has kind of shifted. Like most people training a hunting dog, those dogs are still, they're family pets they're in their inside dogs and i think that's mostly what uh our breeder and trainer were we're breeding for as well they want to they want them to have those high-end hunting characteristics but they have to be a good um, uh, roommate as well
0: so to end that part of our conversation if you took away your ability to watch her performance luna i'm talking to you about would would it still be the same gratification and exuberance for this animal? You think
1: if I were to not be able to do that, like let's say she had a catastrophic injury or something and she just became no, a pet no, or...
0: no, no that. Yeah. Maybe like, Maybe she, not not just a pet, and because of an injury. But if you knew that you that she didn't have the ability to wow you like that, does she still wow you enough on the other end of being in the house and being a family dog to make you this giddy about oh, yeah. this certain and oh, animal?
1: Yeah. You should just check my cell phone photos to determine that. Like, oh, here's Luna. But you don't think it's because you don't think it's because you know
0: you get to go train with her tomorrow morning, no, and that you get to go in the pheasant no, field with that, her. That none of that it matters.
1: matters. Like it's been good, but no, I mean, there's still that whole element that I have with my dog that other people with non-working dogs have. There's still that bond. There's still, she's with me. Uh, You know, I have a a crate in my truck that if she's stinky or or wet or something, I'll generally put her in there. But other than that, you know, she usually rides in the front seat with me. And and that's where I find myself reaching over and just, you know, holding on to her, touching her, doing whatever. It's like, no, that's, you know, there would still be, a lot more than just the elements of her working. I'm, I'm super happy to, to watch her work and to help her achieve some of that potential, but it's, uh, it's, it's not exclusively that. I, I've talked to dog owners who, who it was. I actually had a guy, I, I won't say his name, um, but had a, a, a decent black lab and by my standards, it would have been probably an amazing black lab and the dog just wasn't driven enough for his hunting style. And he essentially offered me up the dog. And I wasn't in a position to take it. Hindsight, I should have taken it because that dog had was was already pretty well trained and was better than anything I could have ever wanted to own at that time. But uh, but you know, so there. Are, I'm sure there are people that that's that's really what it's what it's about. You know, her personality too. I can you know there are people that might not connect that well with luna because she is a working dog right so there's she's not a little you know uh loss of poo that's going to sit on your lap and uh you know lick your face and just you know be just super cuddly and she is 70 pounds and she does think she's a lap dog sometimes but she still has that working dog kind of edge to her
0: you personally now mitch you're an archery hunter. I know that you love to hunt deer. I know that you love big game. You've been on bear hunts. You take your kids to Texas. You you uh, gun hunt. Um, you bird hunt some. Your son fell in love when he went to college in North Dakota. He's a big time duck and goose hunter. Almost a little bit of a smack talker now. It told me that he'll out, he'll out, he'll outnumber me every year now, which is cool. I yeah. get that part of the hunting career. But now you owe it to this dog, in what we call reps. Mm-hmm. It's the most important thing to a hunting dog, right? Yeah. This is what this is what they're put on earth to do is retrieve. Right swim and retrieve run through cornfields and retrieve maybe flush a pheasant shoot it retrieve it bring it back to hand put it in the vest walk up another pheasant in a south dakota ditch line or something um how are you gonna do this are you committed to this are you finding yourself like scheduling out like I got to get on the road because you're not gonna fly with her a bunch of hunting locations you're gonna drive because that's a that's a, a big yeah. deal and it's a little bit more difficult today in today's age and time to fly with a dog um, I have some I have some advice for you on that if you ever need any but um, what are you doing personally now with your hunting schedule? Are you saying yes to all the archery deer time? Are you still like, oh, I can't leave Minnesota because the rut's gonna happen at this time? Or are you like, heck no, I'm going for the pheasants. I'm gonna go find some mallards. What's it, how's it affecting your scheduling?
1: Well, first of all, I started out this last week by explaining to my wife that I didn't have any big game hunts booked this fall. And that mm. um, my hope, you know, I'm in a pretty good spot here in Minneapolis. Uh, and I have a pretty good job where I can work anywhere I have self coverage and, and wifi, right? My hope is to, and my plan really is to have the, you know, to be able to drive out, hit North Dakota, late season, do, but do South Dakota, Minnesota, um, probably Nebraska. I'm going to plan, I think I'm going to plan a big pheasant hunting trip out to Nebraska this year, maybe even get to Montana. That's a lot, um but if i can do north dakota south dakota minnesota and nebraska i think that would be pretty awesome and my my plan will be to just you know do some road trips and give her those reps so that's my personal plan i have already i haven't shot my bow in a long time uh i've already and and my first ever hunting experience chat was when i was probably 11 or 12 was uh was a pheasant hunt so i've actually uh i've and, and last year when we got the dog, I actually joined a, um, a hunting club in Minnesota, a pheasant farm, just, you know, just for the opportunity to train, work the dog really it wasn't for me. It was for it's been for her. So I'll probably do that again as well to give her a lot of reps. Uh, they've already asked me to become a guide there, which uh, probably won't do this year. But at some point I would, because that would be a great way to, uh, you know, to get reps on on pheasants like that. Um, And then um, you mentioned my son, Theo. Um, I'm starting to work with him and her together so that, and and she works, she'll listen to, she listens best to me, but she'll listen to others um, to get him all trained up to be able to work the dog. So if he has the opportunity to do some hunting, get him a chance to hunt with her. Uh, And same with, I've got a brother-in-law who has a, a hunting lease. Uh, probably 30 minutes south of me. And he does a, lot, it's a duck hunting lease in um, um, in the south metro of Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go with him for sure. Um, but uh, I wouldn't be opposed, you know, if in the right circumstances, letting him actually take her. If I, for some reason, can't go, give her the opportunity to get reps there. I'm sure you can advise me on the ups and downs of doing that. But, uh, but, but I have that mindset, like, you know, I want to give her um, these opportunities. And for me, that'll be a lot of the payoff of the effort I'm making with her is just to watch her and, uh, and then to see her succeed. And, and I watched, I saw it last year before she even went into her training, um, we did like three sessions at the game farm and the last one we did, I put out six chuckers, and I actually marked them with flags so that I could see, and there was snow on the ground on that, but I wanted to know when she was by a bird and I, she actually flushed all six and I amazingly shot all six and retreat. She did a decent job retrieving them. And I had a uh, check chain on her, like a 30 footer so that if she came close to me and I needed to pull her and I could, but in that hunt, uh, we were in the back of this field and there was a woodpile about 75 yards to my right. And we just kind of turned and started walking towards the woodpile and I could see her. It was like the first time I ever noticed her trusting and using her nose I I saw her stop and and, and check the air and smell something. Like there was something in that wood pile because we were straight downwind from it. And then so we walked towards it and I could see her, you know, going left and right. And she would, it's like when she lost that scent, she would turn to the right and then turn to the left and she came back and, you know, anticlimactic. I think there was a, a rabbit or something in there. We didn't find a bird in there, but it was just so cool to actually... You know it, it's where i watched her start to trust and use her nose more and i'm like okay now i've learned that so like all of that field time is like we're 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 a team in this effort you know and i want to put her in that position um you know a lot this fall so that we can get better at hunting as a team
0: do you see yourself being able to go on a hunt where luna wasn't invited because this happens in a duck hunters career hey mitch there's a we want you to come on this hunt so can you say yes you think and leave her behind
1: yeah well i'm going on a fishing trip in a month and i'll leave her behind for a week so uh
0: yeah, but that's different than being in a duck blind and we'll have to watch another dog. Unless you use it as a learning right. experience right. and catch and pick up on some pointers. You, you've
1: helped me understand, and you know, and I understand that when when she's now she's got this skill, and, and there are potential pitfalls I need to be aware of in terms of you know her being like overstimulated, overwhelmed, uh, too many guns, too many dogs, too many hunters. So like my plan this fall is to do a lot of one on one. Yeah, and, and you've also advised that like, in, in talking to Tina. And as well, um, like taking out, uh, having me handle the dog and have somebody else on the gun and giving her that opportunity to essentially have one hunter, one handler and, uh, give her those, those opportunities. So, uh, y- yeah, I, you know, we, we talked about you and I going, doing a waterfowl hunt in, um, in Arkansas and this December, and I would, I'd love to be able to do that. The thought never crossed my mind that I would bring my dog and she would participate in it. In that if I could bring her and she could be a camp dog or whatever that'd be one thing but um you know she's just she's like I said she's 1 year 1 year old and um I actually talked to an outfitter in Min- western minnesota who does you know pit hunts and we talked about uh you know, what it would take to bring my dog out there you know and, and, and outfitters don't traditionally want to deal with that because it just opens the door to issues and challenges and and it's a, you know it's a different experience so so the that's a long answer to your question is you know yes i'm okay to travel without her and hunt without her but most of my experiences this fall will be with her kind of one-on-one it, you live in a
0: subdivision area very nice piece of property but there there are, you know, going back to when your kids were born and, and raising kids, you go into that rearing stage of, you know, look both ways. Well, you, it's hard. You can't do that with a dog, and you have to be conscience, conscientious of this at all times because there's nothing that will ruin a man more or a woman than it, for a mistake to happen. We both know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Um, how do you – how do you do this on a daily basis with your work schedule and keeping an eye? Is there is there a network and a communication effort amongst the family that if somebody's going to open the inside kennel and let her outside, there's got to be permission from you. You have to be overseeing it. Are you an overbearing parent at this point, again, with such a young dog? Because it's not like you're out in the country. And even when dogs are out in the country, they can get out and get affected by whether it's coyotes or a snare trap. Or there's other things that happen when you live out on property. Right. There's it's 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 a must to stay on top of this situation have you found yourself going back to those days 18 20 years ago when your kids were young and and you had to really keep an eye on them and every move they sure. made um
1: yeah you know, we don't have an um an indoor outdoor kennel so she's just you know she's in her crate inside and 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 so the short answer is yes i've probably been a pretty solid helicopter parent of this dog parent helicopter owner um when she came back from training I was more concerned about others in the family kind of you know not following the training that both she and my wife and I had had with the train right so I don't want them to you know my son will cut you know, my son doesn't my oldest son doesn't live here so he'll come in and he'll he'll say something and he'll say like he'll look at the dog and he'll go back and I'm like I like dude she doesn't know what back is, right? So it's like you know the command would be off, right? And and we have a list of commands and things like that. So I I did that. I think in terms of. Um safety and whatnot. You know, when she's outside, she always has the e-collar on. And I've actually had her in the backyard and we've had some rabbits and things like that and and tested her. And you know, we really knock on wood, haven't had any any issues or concerns. And we do have a little bit of space, but yes, we're in a metropolitan area. But um, what I've been able to do is probably within fifteen minutes of my house, I have five or six different properties. And I just picked up another one the other day that I'd I hadn't even thought about that's five minutes from my house that are, you know, it's five to 10 plus acres. There's no fences. There's no, there's, there's other wildlife and different things or, but there's not a lot of people. So we have like, so when I wake up, one of the decisions I'm, I'll make is like, okay, am I going to work her in the backyard? What's my work schedule look like? Do I have time to jump in the car and go grab a cup of coffee and just take her for a walk? Um, so I do um, get I have opportunities uh, with, with more property, although it has got me thinking that and having my own property to be able just to walk outside and do that would be ideal. But uh, in this economy, that's not happening in the next uh, two to three years, I don't think.
0: Yeah, you know, maybe anything can happen, yeah. Mitch. So overall, it's is it gonna be You know, the Luna life, we're following her on Instagram. How long is she back with you? And are you going to take her to that overall next level of sending her back to Tom and Tina and getting her more and more, you know, accolades? Do you want to see some ribbons? Do you want to get into that world of hunt testing at all? Does that mean anything? And then have you thought about, have you thought about, um, the the breeding part of it at such a young age i know that is but do you i started getting thoughts young and questions young man i'd love a dog that dog's beautiful that dog so these are the questions that you're going to continue to get asked and the thoughts that are going to continuously go through your mind um where are you at with that right now do you want to get her get her more training and get her to a higher level because she that's what she deserves to do that's what she was put on earth to do in my opinion or is she is she is she good enough now and i know you've mentioned a little bit of this throughout the conversation but where do you see her going in the next one two
1: years yeah, so she's we are sending her back uh, at the end of august um because of the timing of her initial training she didn't do the um, any waterfowl type training place training in a boat and decoy retrieves and things like that because all the lakes are frozen or a little bit too cold for when we're there so um they uh i have been working here in the water and she does water retrieves and that's been going pretty well but so they'll do some sp- waterfowl specific type training and, and i think at that point i would assess her what you know what the people who are working with her and mike weeben is he knows her quite well uh what he suggests but like i don't have i have i have a friend who's you know does a lot of that and very good at it um i don't have uh, i'm not driven to do that i might that might change i might pay attention this year and watch it and see um you know i would love to take her again it's for me it's it's not um yeah, I, I don't know. We've talked about. Uh, I'm not inclined to breed her unless there's somebody who tells me that this dog is is uh, is the is the caliber of dog that should be bred because she's got good genetics, she's got good drive. She's you know she's really she would she would do that. You know, I, I would be open to it, but that hasn't been our plan. Um, so more training, yes. But like, you know, I haven't even thought thought out as far as, you know, blind retrieves, hand signal, things like that. It's just yeah, I'm still I'm progressing at a similar pace to her in um, in dog, working dog ownership, hunting dog ownership. So, um,
0: yeah, that's where I was going to head next, not to cut you off, but is your ability as a handler. And mine was very insufficient um because there's so many different parts of the hunt that i was concentrating on and i always had a trainer and a handler there to handle the dogs well then it got to the point to where axel needed to hunt full time he was ready because the first three years of his life he never came off the trailer. Mm -hmm. he was three years old when he came on his first hunt and it was a you know a two-man hunt just shooting at pairs or singles of mallards and um after that it was time to hunt full time. Cause that's what I got him for. But he also goes back and he's still on the trailer. Like right now he's at Mossy pond training again, but man, I, I was terrible at the handling part of it. And that's like one of the things with trainers is like, they won't give you your dog back at a lot of good kennels because they want you to come and spend time with them and learn the ropes of what it's going to take to manage this dog because they do become a machine right. to and to get their full potential out of them. You have to know what's up. Um, so that is takes a lot of practice, and I'm glad that you said that because you're going to be on this road yourself of wanting to get more. Now, you say the hand signals, the whistle stops, the blind retrieves, like, that is the best. Like, that is the coolest thing ever to know that you could cast a dog and get him or her 400 yards away from you based on a whistle that a human couldn't hear that far away. Yeah. Based on hand signals that you can't believe they can see. Right. And then, and then that, do, that duck or goose might be crippled still a little bit, so they got to use their nose once they get over in the general area. It's, an, it's amazing to right. watch. Truly. I, I was on hunts this year where we were shooting snow geese in March, and some of them were going down in places that weren't, weren't visible. Yeah. And to see Axel do his thing, I was just like, this is the best part of waterfowl hunting. I love the ducks. I love the calling. I love the camaraderie. I love the boat rides. I love it right. all. But man, when that dog is on his game or her game, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you could pick a better part of the hunt. I don't know how people would hunt without a dog. Be not, after uh, Assuming they've seen a high caliber dog do his right. or her thing.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, hey, I wanted to come back on one question because I, I had part of an answer I know I forgot to give. We asked about how I'm preparing for the fall or you know, if, I, if I'm if uh, i willing to give up some big game hunting to get reps on my dog. Uh I'd, I told you, I I have a, uh, a pickup right now with a uh, Diamondback bed cover on it, mm-hmm. and I'm in the market now for a topper and maybe like you know an organizer. I, I wanna convert my pickup truck into a, uh, a bird hunting machine. Um, I've thought about buying an SUV, but prices these days are insane. <laughs> it's cheaper just to, to convert mine. So uh, like I said, I, I do anticipate being on the road, and um um really enjoying like you said not just the not just the hunt element of it but just being on the road and traveling with the dog and having her you know in the in the lodge and uh sharing her with other people is is a big part of what uh what i'm looking forward to as she progresses
0: yeah i think i think what you're saying is like it's the ultimate i'm telling you like I would never tell anybody how to organize their hunt or, or to, you know, just be one sided so much like I am like I've pretty much have given up all areas of outdoor experiences during the fall and winter because I'm so addicted to mallard ducks and Canada geese and dogs and I but more importantly Mitch I'm addicted to that lifestyle part that you just kind of described of going down America's roads with that truck and the the security and the safety of the dog your guns are all organized your ammo everything's you know in that particular place that you want it to be organized in and it's just something about arriving in camp and pulling those drawers out of a deck or an organizing system or opening up your lear topper and and letting luna out of her crate that's in the back of the truck you know that's one thing that 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 there's a there's a question on that is how to transport dogs and in today's world of hustle and bustle the safest ways to do so and i'm always um interested in looking into the 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 best way to do that so keep that in mind too as you start to put this organizational compartments together in your truck but i think that it's so addicting it's so rewarding and i think that this road that you're getting ready to embark on is going to take you to places to where you may never archery hunt again I, i'm sorry to right. say that like you may never be satisfied with your accuracy with the bow because you're not practicing enough right. So uh, it's just, it's so consuming this waterfowl lifestyle and this bird hunting, wing shooting lifestyle because of all these moving parts. And I've always said it, like, I know that you can get to know somebody in deer camp but and turkey camp, but duck blind and duck camp and your dog and the camaraderie of all of those different elements makes waterfowl hunting the top of my list. And I And, I, and I'm glad that you're in it. And I think that next you're going to be like, well, man, if I'm gonna be hunting ducks this much, I'm gonna learn how to. I'm gonna have to learn how to call. So now you're gonna be getting into duck calling and then goose calling, and right. then you're gonna be becoming a better dog handler and a better shotgunner. And and we're all on that. Like I'm trying to improve in every aspect every day. So, man, I, I think it's gonna be a rewarding change for you to embark on more. And I'm not saying that you're not a wing right. shooter. And I'm not saying that I'm the ultimate wing shooter. But I spend over a hundred days a year in the field, and I wouldn't do that if it wasn't rewarding. And the dogs are a huge part right. of
1: that. Got it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, so, don't, I don't feel. I don't. I'm not. I have no concern about a sense of loss of lack of bow hunting. I enjoy it, um, but uh, you know, this is. I'm very passionate about the outdoor space, and this I think will check about every box I need for my fall. So um, I'm. I'm really excited about it.
0: Let me see her again. Is she still down there? She is. Is she still chilling? That's my bear. Look at her, just That's it. Up, right Black labs her. are
1: hard to take pictures of though, right? I mean, she's, she, yeah. if I've got a Luna. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to headphones on, on. but uh, yeah, we could, uh, she would come here. She was, she was pretty sound asleep. Uh, Cause I guess she, she we, we actually went to a dog park. I'm not a dog park guy, but uh, there's a really good dog park near here. And uh, she got hooked up with a couple of the, one lab and another, uh, like a golden doodle or something. And they were, they all, the three of them ran a ton and it was it was good for her to uh, stretch her legs it's impressive when you see her she actually we were at one property and she um she chased a deer and uh i saw the deer kept up dude with it. she kept i was like it was insane that she kept up with the deer and then she stopped to, to take a poop at the edge of the property which was fine but uh but i got her loosened it yeah. up
0: she loosened it up i, I was told yesterday that uh I have a dog named Slash up in your home state that's being trained at Wild Acre with Andrew, and um, he runs them. He trains them through a four-wheeler for their, their end-of-the-day run. Mm-hmm. 30, 37 miles an hour, Slash is right beside the four-wheeler, the, the UTV, the side-by-side. I don't know if it was a side-by-side or a four-wheeler, but 37 miles an hour and keeping that pace. Ah, crazy. And, again, make sure make sure before you try that that your dogs trained for right. that because not all dogs are are suited right. for that type of running but um anyway man i appreciate the time i'm proud of you I'm, I'm happy for you more than proud but i'm happy that you and luna have such a bond she is a beautiful dog and um thank you for coming on to you duck dog podcast miss mitch uh, Petrie.
1: you know it was, it was a pleasure I, I really enjoyed introducing you to her uh, because i want dog people to tell me what they think you know i know what i think about her and she's you know one of the best dogs i've ever been around you've been around hundreds of great dogs so excited to uh to um uh, keep sharing her with you as she gets older
0: yeah keep us posted what's her uh, instagram
1: it's uh lady luna lab life uh in which, but a lot it's super cheesy that she has an Instagram. I get that, but you know why? I, I it was part of my effort to share with my my friends and family who are not always you know hardcore hunters, but just to share the journey that we've had uh, of uh, you know getting a puppy and getting her through training and and showing her progress.
0: I love it. We'll keep after it. Keep us posted at Lady Luna Lab Life. That's her. Lady Luna Lab Life on Instagram, Mitch Petrie, my good friend. He uh, is, I guess you could say he works full time in the industry, but now he's going to be living full time in the industry. Because once you have a duck dog like Luna, a pheasant dog, upland wing shooting dog, sporting dog like Luna, it's hard not to want to be in the field with them in any capacity, whether it's training. From a boat, from dry field, whether it's hunting, whether it's traveling, whether it's just experiencing this lab life, it truly is special. The sporting dog life is so special, and that's why we give high praise and high thank you to the nutrition and diet plans that But continues to produce. The new puppy program is second to none. Get on it yourself if you have a new dog. I've been learning a lot of the research and science and biology behind the new puppy diet, and it is dead on. Your puppy will thrive on it and then continue to feed the Eukanuba Lifestyle Nutrition Program through the performance stages of your dog's life. The performance diet is unbelievable. We have, let me make sure that I name the dogs that we have on it. We have Axel, Slash, Duff, and Izzy. That's four of the original members of Guns N' Roses. I need one more yellow lab to name Stevie after Steven Adler, the drummer, but not yet. We also have Waylon on it. We have Mo on it. And I think that that is all are seven dogs so Eukanuba, everything that we've seen, the performance, the diet, the muscular, the skeleton, the tendons, everything that from their digestive system to their energy to their sleep patterns, Eukanuba has studied it, and they have mastered it, and I truly appreciate their support of our brands and the culture of the American hunter, the American upland hunter, waterfowl hunter, wing shooter. That's why we work with Eukanuba. They're in the space. They're here to stay, and they do not cut corners when it comes to the diet and nutrition plan for your pets. All pets, not just dogs, look towards Eukanuba we truly appreciate their passion for all of their projects. I'm Chad building the Duck Dogs podcast fueled by Yukonuba, part of the Foul Life Family of Podcasts and This Life Ain't for Everybody. Thank you to my guest today Mitch Petrie. Any closing words? No.
1: Um let's get out in the field together this fall.
0: I can't wait. I will hook up with you soon. Privately, I know that I'm expecting a couple emails from you. I can't wait to see them. Thank you all for listening to the Foul Life Podcast But Duck Dog Series. We'll go out with this song right here. Drake White, You Can't Have the Dogs off of his new album. Check out Drake's new album. It's unbelievable. I'll be seeing Mr. Drake White in concert this weekend. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Drake White. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for all the downloads and subscriptions to the Foul Life Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. The way-
1: can't have it all, can't have my dog, no oh, ma'am.
0: cause I told him how to sit and how to load it on up at your greenhead,
1: Mississippi Maladuck and I can't believe you think he'd leave my side, nah, up. Cause he likes to ride up high where the world
0: can see us, I can't feel the wind blow down low when you free us, but he's not yours, girl,
1: thank God he's